Hello, welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Weldon. This week, we are presenting The Proof of Mermaids, an original story by Daniel Hines. To support the show and help us keep releasing new episodes, please visit patreon.com slash stories to make a donation or leave us a great review on iTunes. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. The Proof of Mermaids, the shipwreck journal of lone survivor Haruki Haru. This morning I lay on my raft of rough wooden planking, letting the warmth of the new dawning sun and the gentle bob of the ocean waves lull me into a half doze. It felt good to rest. My night's sleep had been all but completely ruined when a pod of dolphins had caught up to a school of fish directly underneath me. I think dolphins are cute or whatever, but all their splashing and chattering gets old real quick when you're trying to get some shut-eye. Strange, though. By the end, I thought I could maybe understand what the dolphins were saying to each other. Then again, maybe I'm just going crazy. After all, I've been lost at sea for 20 days now. Alone. I realize now that the word alone is bigger than it used to be. More complicated. Alone used to be having no one to eat lunch with at school. It meant missing my friends and family on a rainy day at home. It meant a quiet night of homework while the wind sighed through the cherry blossoms and you were alone, but somehow not lonely. This is completely different. Alone at sea is like being on another planet. A strange world of blue-green waves and freezing nights and blister-hot days, and the only continent in the whole stinking sea is this planking I'm on, and the only person in the whole stinking world is me. Lonely old me. Day 21. I guess I should tell you how I got here. I know it's going to sound crazy, and maybe it is crazy, and maybe I'm crazy too, but just keep an open mind, okay? A mermaid saved me. Did I lose you yet? No? Good. So, my name is Haruki Haru, and it was my first time aboard the Niño Maru. It was my first time aboard any whaling ship, to be honest. But ever since I was a boy, I dreamed of being on the open sea, living like an explorer on Earth's untamed waters. I learned about ships and knots from my grandfather, and my own father showed me how to throw a harpoon like lightning from Raijin's own hand. So as soon as I found out the captain of the whaling ship, Ningyo Maru, would take me on, I signed up. In hindsight, it wasn't the best decision. We were a week out of Osaka port when we came upon our first likely targets, a great gray pod of humpback whales. By that point, the captain had heard about my throwing skills, so he had the bosun bring me up. I hear you're pretty good with a harpoon, he asked, then continued without waiting for me to answer. As the new man on the crew, the honor of the first throw is yours. He pushed a long harpoon into my hands. It was glinting brightly in the sun. The worn wood of the handle told of a thousand thousand throws and retrievals. The captain guided me to the edge of the deck, overlooking the whales below us, frolicking in the wake of our ship. There, the captain said, his hand on my shoulder, his breath stinking of ginger. He was pointing nearly straight down to a giant whale rising for air beside our ship. I lifted the harpoon to my ear. My muscles, remembering the motion from all my practice, immediately tensed to throw. I would strike true. I am Raijin's lightning, I told myself. But then something strange happened. The whale had rolled onto its side and was looking up at me with one wide eye. The eye was as large as a dinner plate, and it was colored a deep, stormy sea blue. 
I looked back into that eye and felt a flash of friendship, and I knew in an instant that I would never be able to hunt these whales. I lowered the harpoon. I won't do it, I said to the captain. Ha! The captain laughed at me and picked up his own harpoon from the deck. I knew you didn't have the guts, he said. He walked to the rail, pushing me out of his way with a gnarled old hand. He raised his harpoon high, targeting the whale below us. I don't know what came over me next, but I felt as though I were moving through a dream. As the captain leaned back to throw, I dove forward and punched at the end of his harpoon. His throw went wild, splashing harmlessly into the water. His hands, not so harmlessly, grabbed me by the shirt and lifted me over the rail. Boy! he shouted. By Umi Bozu, should I throw you into the sea? I started to answer but stopped, my words falling in a jumbled mess from my lips because right then is when I saw the great black wave. It came out of nowhere, a swell of water so tall and dark it seemed like we were suddenly standing in a cave. The captain followed my eyes and when he saw the wave he dropped me to the deck and ran for the tiller. I grabbed a hold of the rope line closest to me and clung on for my very life. I saw other members of the crew doing the same, clinging to ropes and shouting prayers and encouragement to each other. The wave drew closer, and the front of our boat started to pitch up like a teeter-totter that never ended. Within a second, the front of our ship was pointing at the sky, and I was hanging straight down from the rope, screaming so loud my throat hurt. It was right then that I saw her, a girl who looked to be caught in a wave. She was cute, with hair the color of coral and a long, lovely tail. Look, I know it sounds crazy, but I know what I saw. She was swimming alongside the whales, and they were heading straight through the wave and towards our ship. I only had a second to take all of this in, because the boat was flipping over, and suddenly I was falling, my arms flailing wildly. I looked up, and the ship was above me in the sky, but then I flew past it, twisting. The sky was down, and the sea was up. Then I spun faster, and everywhere I looked was the sea. The dark water was my world, and I was falling into it. I passed out when I hit the water. Day 22. I'm still alive. The sun is cooking my skin red as a radish, and at first I was so thirsty I was thinking about drinking my own sweat. I should have done it. It's too late now. I stopped sweating hours ago. I know that means I'm dangerously thirsty, but I'm out of water, and every sailor knows it's deadly to drink from the ocean. I suppose I should finish the story of how I got here before I get too thirsty to think straight. After I hit the water, many hours passed with me asleep. I know, because it was the middle of the night when I woke up. The ocean was calm, a dark sheet of glass reflecting the fat white moon overhead. At first I was just surprised to be alive. Then I realized I was alone, and there was no sign of the ship. I sat up and looked around wildly, but there was only water stretching in every direction. The only piece of ship I could see was the section of planking I was floating on. It was only then that I remembered the wave and how it had swept me away from my old life and deposited me there on that lonely bit of ocean. It was just after that when I saw the girl again. The coral-haired girl from the wave. The one with the long, shimmering, green-blue tail. The mermaid. She was swimming over to my raft, her long hair fanning out behind her on the water. Her body moved through the water like a fish, all easy elegance and little swishes of her tail. Underneath us swam the huge shadow of a humpback whale, so big it made me feel like an insect. 
one that could be crushed underfoot easily and accidentally. He won't hurt you, you know. I was so intently watching the shadow of the whale beneath us that I nearly jumped out of my skin when she spoke to me. I jolted so bad I tipped on my planking and splashed into the water. When I came back to the surface, choking and spluttering, she was laughing a musical little laugh. <laughs> Are you all right? Do I have to come in and save you again? She asked, a small smile playing across her lips. I'm fine, I said, maybe a little too rudely. With a great heave of effort, I righted the planking and rolled back onto it. What do you mean, save me again? She swam right up to the planking, resting her fingertips and chin on the edge of it near my head. Half fish or not, she was awfully pretty. How do you think you got here? She asked. Your whole ship splashed over. Bra broom! You got launched like a cannonball. Kapow! And splashed into the middle of my ocean like kersplish! Your ocean? Was all I could manage in reply, but she continued on like she didn't hear me. Anyway, a lot of the landies found some of those little boats and rowed away because the big boat was all smashed up. I guess they thought you had drowned because they left you floating. Now, normally, I would never save a human, but... Well, I saw how you could have killed Henry and didn't, so I thought I would return the favor by saving your life. I dragged this piece of ship nearly a mile after that beluga of a whale and rolled you onto it. By that point, you weren't breathing anymore, but I pushed on your chest and breathed into your lips like I've seen your sailors do, and you must have thrown up a gallon of water, but once it was all out, you started breathing through your mouth again, just like a proper landy. I shook my head, convinced I had rattled my brain in the wreck. I was probably delirious or something. I gave myself a pinch. All that happened was it hurt, and the mermaid looked at me funny. Why are you pinching yourself? Is that a landy thing? What's a landy? I asked. And who's Henry? She rolled her eyes at me and made a little swish-swash sound with her tail. You're a landy, she said as if I was the stupidest person in the entire ocean. Because you come from the land. And Henry? I asked. She pointed down to where the giant shadow tail of the humpback was passing under us. That's Henry. I couldn't believe it. I... Haruki Haru had discovered mermaids are real and there was no one around to tell. I suppose I could have told Henry, but I didn't really speak much whale. No one is ever going to believe me, I said. Believe what? Believe I met you. Everyone wants the proof of mermaids, and here you are. But everyone will think I made you up, if I can even manage to get rescued in the first place. Well, I can't give you the proof of mermaids, I'm sorry. That's how we've survived so long. We don't let Landys know about us. Oh, she said with a delighted little clap. I can give you some other things you might like just as much, though. She pulled on a rope that was tied about her waist and slowly brought up a small burlap sack floating in the water beneath her. I had to tie it to myself because I swim better with my hands free, she said apologetically. When the bag surfaced, I helped her pull it onto my planking. Immediately, I noticed my harpoon, the point sticking up and out of the burlap. Dumping the bag onto the raft, I felt a wave of relief. There was a small barrel of tea, so I wouldn't go thirsty. Now, I know tea seems like a strange thing to carry, but water could stagnate and go bad at sea, and brewed tea kept better a little while longer. There were also a few potatoes. They were probably already in the sack. A single fish, a candle, this journal and pencil, and a shirt several sizes too large for me. Did I do a good job? The mermaid asked. You did great. 
But why did you bring me the harpoon? She lowered her voice to a whisper and leaned in close, as if she was afraid someone was going to steal the words from her lips. The monster. Monsters? I looked in every direction and saw nothing but calm sea. What are you talking about? What kind of monsters? Well, she said, it's really just one, but he's the worst one there is for you landies. If you say his name, he comes, shapeless and cruel as a shadow, and capsizes your boat. The old guy next to you said his name right before it looked like he was going to throw you overboard. Is that what he said? Umibo, she clapped a strong little hand across my mouth. Are you crazy? She hissed. You can't say his name! You can't ever say his name. The name, of course, was Umibozu, the one the captain had yelled to when he grabbed me. Okay, okay, I said. I'll never say it, I promise. Suddenly a thought occurred to me. Speaking of names, mine's Haruki Haru, I said. What about yours? She shook her head, looking side to side, her eyes suddenly growing very wide. I'm sorry, I can't tell you that. I shouldn't have talked to you, I shouldn't have even saved you. She untied the rope from her waist and started to turn, but I grabbed her wrist. Wait, where are you going? You can't leave me. You don't understand, she shouted, her hand sliding wetly through my grip. We're not allowed to talk to Landy's. I have to go. Just, just thanks for not harpooning Henry, okay? And with that, she flipped her body, her coral hair whipping wildly and her fins shining in the moonlight, and disappeared into the ocean. And I was alone. Day 23. So that's how I ended up here. I know you're thinking it's day 23, so obviously you're missing a lot of days, but believe me, you're not missing anything. Okay, okay, here's a quick rundown. I ate the fish on day two, figuring that the other sailors would be back for me soon. I stripped to my undies and laid on the planking raft, enjoying the sun. I hate to say it now, but I had already chalked up the whole mermaid incident to hitting my head in the wreck. I just couldn't accept she was real, and I didn't even want to think about her monster. By day five, I realized no one was coming for me, so I decided to ration my food. Unfortunately, by that point, all I had left was two potatoes and a half cask of tea. The sun came up, the sun went down, and nothing eventful happened until day 12 when, in a fit of hunger, I ate my candle. Before you judge me, the candle was made of tallow, which is just a fancy word for animal fat, so it didn't taste all that much different than a hamburger. At least, that's what I told myself when I was swallowing those waxy bites. The tea ran out on day 19. Since then, I've been feeling worse and worse. I realized right away that being in my undies was a bad idea, and I put all my clothes on. Well, I actually ripped my shirt into strips and put on the waterlogged shirt the mermaid had brought me. I mean, the waterlogged shirt I found on the raft with no help at all from mermaids because they don't exist. Anyway, I used my ripped shirt strips to make a blindfold to keep the sun out of my eyes during the day, and as padding for my head at night. To help pass the time, I write little haikus as I float. The little poems are relaxing and make me feel a little less alone. Here are a couple of my favorites I came up with. <clears throat> Who is emperor of this lonely stretch of sea? Haruki Haru. And shipwrecked and hungry, what's a growing boy to do? I ate my candle. Day 24. Today was bad. Today was so, so bad. Judging by the sun, it must have been the middle of the afternoon. I was enjoying another peaceful day of being hungry and thirsty and wet and hot and miserable when, all of a sudden, I hear a great splash and a terrible scream. 
A dozen or so feet away, my mermaid bursts up from the water, just a few feet in front of a great white shark, its mouth wide and hungry. Haruki! she called. Mermaid! I yelled back. Over here! She swam towards me, quick as a thrown harpoon. The mouth of the shark behind her was all white, gleaming teeth and a deep red gullet that looked big enough to swallow me whole. Its eyes were black, like a doll's eyes. The mermaid reached me seconds ahead of the great white, and I pulled her onto the planking. "'Don't move!' I said, laying down beside her, doing my best to keep us balanced. Only the giant shark's fins showed now. He circled our little raft once, twice, and then nudged it with his nose, sending our little raft spinning and bobbing dangerously. "'Don't panic!' I yelled, panicking. The mermaid found one of my hands and held it tightly in hers. I found the wooden handle of my harpoon and clutched it in the other. "'My name is Chio!' She shouted into my ears. The shark, harder now, rammed our little raft, nearly spilling us both into the water. "'Why are you telling me now?' I yelled back, thinking it was a strange time to introduce herself. "'I just want you to know, in case we get eaten!' The shark slammed into us one final time, lifting our raft into the air in a great salty spray of water and crashing it back down. Then, just as quick as it came, it swam back into the depths of the sea. Chio and I lay on the planking, looking at each other and laughing nervously. I didn't realize anything was wrong until I heard her say, Oh, oh no. She looked down in horror. When I followed her eyes, I almost fainted. Sunk into her tail, big as your hand, was a great white shark tooth. What do we do? I asked. Do we pull it out? No, she answered at once, her voice growing syrupy thick and slow. I need a healer. You have to get me back to my city. Are you forgetting that I can't breathe underwater? I asked. Won't they come looking for you when you don't come home? She shook her head, growing paler by the second. I was worried she might pass out from shock. They don't know where I am, she said miserably. We're forbidden from talking to Landy's, but... You seem so nice that I snuck away to make sure you were safe. I saw that big shark circling underneath you, and when I tried to shoo him away, he came after me. How do I get you home? Chio. Chio. When I turned to look, Chio had slipped into a deep sleep, and I couldn't rouse her no matter how hard I tried. And that brings us to now. The sun's fallen and the moon's risen and the seas are calm and Chio is laying here next to me, getting worse and worse. Her bronze skin is growing pale, her tail seems to have less luster, and even her beautiful coral hair is fading to gray at the roots. I feel helpless. There's nothing I can do and there's no one I can turn to. Or is there? I think I just thought of a plan. I'm going to wait for dawn and give it a try. If it doesn't work, well... This will be the last entry I write. If you're reading this, just know that I tried. And that mermaids are very, very real. Day 25. The last day. This will be my final entry into this little journal. When I finish it, I'm going to lock it in a box and throw it deep into the sea where the currents run strong. So if you're reading this now, I guess you could be anywhere. Anywhere in the world. I guess you could also be any when, too. You might even be reading this in the future. It makes me a little nauseous to think about it, but there it is. So, back to the raft. It wasn't quite dawn when I decided I had rested enough to try my crazy, absolutely insane plan. 
The color was draining out of Chio like water from a broken barrel, and it no longer seemed safe to wait. My hands were shaky. I felt weak from days of no food or water. The night was wavy and cloudy, and the salty air was cold in my lungs. I wrote one final haiku and roared it into the rising wind. Chio, my mermaid, wilting fast, thus I summon the Umibozu! The wind rose in a wolf howl, ripping over the sea like a sword. Stinging ocean spray rained down on my planking, on me, on Shio laying pale as ashes. Great waves grew from nothing and raged all around, but none touched our humble raft. The water next to us suddenly swelled and broke like waves upon the shore, and rising there next to us, large as a house, was the shadowy black head of the dread Umibozu. He spoke in a voice like a thunderclap. I felt very small there in his shadow, but I knew I was Chio's only hope. It was me, I called, shipwreck survivor and victim of your rage. I offer myself to you in exchange for the health of this mermaid. She has been bitten and needs to be returned to her people. Umibozu laughed, and the sea laughed with him, wind gusting and snapping at the waters with every chuckle. You're brave for one so young. An inky octopus-like temple took the empty tea barrel from my raft and filled it with water from the sea. I'll offer you the same deal I offer all sailors who dare say the name of Umibozu he said, and more tentacles snaked from the water and wrapped themselves around my ankles. I'll hold you upside down with your head in this barrel of water. If you live, I will bear your mermaid home to her father's realm. With that, he lifted me high in the air, my body dangling by my ankles gripped tight in those impossibly long tentacles. The wind ripped at my clothes and stung into my eyes, urged on by Umibozu's terrible laughter. Umibozu lowered me to the barrel, brimming with seawater. My world was spinning. The roar of his laughter filled my ears. I could taste the anger of his storm in the salt water on my lips. I had lost sight of my raft. I would surely drown. Haruki Haru! It was Chio, my mermaid, holding my harpoon. With the last bit of strength left to her, she threw the harpoon up to me as I dangled in Umibozu's grasp. I missed the catch, feeling it bounce off my chest, but managed to grip the end with my fingertips, barely hanging on. The sea raged. Lightning flashed and thunder rolled across the water in endless stampedes. I cocked back my arm and threw the harpoon with everything I had left in my body. It struck like Raijin's own thunder. The barrel burst like a bomb, the water flowing out of it and back into the sea. Umibozu continued to lower me, placing my head in the ruins of the wood. When he pulled me up again, unharmed, I looked into his moon-giant eyes and said, Now save my friend. With a howl of rage, he threw me back onto the raft, scooped up Chio, and disappeared into the sea. The storm went with him. When I awoke the next morning, I was only fifty feet from shore. I could see a mountain stream trickling down some rocks and persimmons in the trees. I was saved. Abandoning my planking raft with a final fond touch, I struggled weakly to shallow water by the shore. You think you can stay out of trouble now? I turned and saw Chio, smiling behind me in water to her waist. 
I smiled back. Umibozu had been as good as his word. Just steer clear of sharks, okay? I will, she said. Oh, and one more thing. She turned and gave a strange whistle, and all around her in the water, heads emerged. Mermaids. Five, ten, twenty, too many to count. They were all smiling at me, swishing their tails happily. Harugi Haru, you said you wanted the proof of mermaids. I guess you didn't know, but just like a group of whales is a pod and a group of fish is a school, a group of mermaids is a proof. So here we are, the proof of mermaids. This isn't what I meant, I protested. I know, she said with an impish little grin, but it's the best we can do. If you had real proof, you landies would never leave us alone. But will I ever see you again? She swam up to me and gave me a hug. She smelled of salt and sea and the air before it rains. Sure you'll see me again, she said as she and the other mermaids started to sink below the water. All you have to do is crash. The End Today's story was an original work written by Daniel Hines and performed by me, Amanda Weldon. Today we'd like to say a special thank you to Justin, Jackson, Olivia, Lucas, and Pancake and their families. Thank you for helping us to support the show, Justin, Jackson, Olivia, Lucas, and Pancake. You are part of what makes it possible for us to continue to produce fun new stories for our listeners. If you would also like to support the show and receive a thank you in a future episode, please visit patreon.com slash stories to make a pledge and then send an email to amanda at storiespodcast.com and tell us who we should thank. Thanks for listening.